I mean, I think for the head center, nothing is what it is. Yeah. Okay. It, it, everything has meaning and represents something much bigger than what it really is. Mm. And the mind is, is, the, is what's generating the story and the narrative um, that oh. this, whatever's happened, is, is an occasion for. The Big Hormone Enneagram. Hi, I'm John Lukovic, uh, sexual self-pres, over the five wing, four or five, eight, trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self-pres, sexual, nine with one, nine, seven, four, trifix. What up, it's Emika, I'm an eight wing seven, sexual self-pres, with eight, five, four, fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy, I am a self-pres, social, three, wing four, with a Six, nine, if you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe us on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. Hey, guys. Hey. Welcome to this episode of Head with Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney, my mom is like, she's listening to the object relation stuff. And she's like, I could listen to Courtney talk about this all day. Like, this is amazing. So she's just eating it up. Just thought you should know. Oh, thanks. I think all four of us are going to retire and we're just going to keep Courtney as the, uh, the yeah. host. Of- <laughs> She's going to be the podcast. <laughs> yeah. She's more hey, popular we- than us. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Everything, those, those episodes with Courtney are great. <laughs> I know. Well, it's only downhill off. from there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no yeah, pressure. You, you got to live up to your past yeah. performances. You, you yeah. fucked up and you showed competency. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the rule we have here is don't be too confident here <laughs> on this project. That's a good rule for all of life, to be <laughs> So what the hell uh, are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> David's ritual of kicking <laughs> off the podcast question. Oh, um, David, I just thought you should know that I listened to that meme that John made about you or Emika made about you. That was Emika. Yeah, <laughs> about your your all your mouth noises before I went to sleep last night and helped me. Oh sleep. wow! <laughs> did it help you? Or did it excite you? <laughs> no, it put me to sleep. I was like, oh, this is the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Someday it'll be right in your ear, baby. <laughs> For some reason, that did not help. <laughs> that just made me feel scared. Well, that's part of it, you know. Oh, oh, the fear factor. The fear. Right in your the ear, you'll hear. <laughs> <laughs> no more <Big> like. <laughs> it's so violently loud. <laughs> excessive. Oh, violently loud, followed by um. What are we doing? What's happening? And then, and then a deep breath in the background. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Has anybody? Let's. I mean, I'm checking the podcast app. And seeing if we've got any new reviews with David's voice. No, oh, we have uh, not. I'm severely disappointed in our listeners that have not <laughs> left a review for David's voice on the podcast app. Courtney, what did you think of uh, the, the calls we've been doing on the centers? So I really liked them. And it was I listened to them a couple of times um, in anticipation that I'd be batting cleanup on the head center. 
and it makes sense and it makes sense to me obviously that you'd go in that order um and yeah i'm excited to about it and also to have that sort of um foundation of certain instances like was very helpful to me as i thought about what distinguishes being a head type from the other types and i think that there's like an interesting thing about the the gut the heart and then the head but then also returning to the nine three and six and what those particular types as sort of the most elemental version of their center what's going on with those types in particular Mm. and i can reach for the five and i can reach for the seven uh but it's not my automated pattern right and so just making sure understanding when you're sort of talking through your type your type versus your center your type as an example of center um Mm. i just was i was thinking about that a lot as i was what a shock i was thinking about that a lot as i was thinking about (laughs) (laughs) you don't say (laughs) we want you to just feel it yeah (laughs) you were thinking about it a lot (laughs) can you say more though about that the uh nine three six in this context as elemental i mean where do you go with that I think one of the things that's confusing about the six is our most sensitive instrument and the instrument we're kind of identified with, we actually don't listen to very well. We're actually not that in touch with. And so it's this paradox of knowing we've got this capacity, being identified with the capacity, yet not really getting it at all. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and I think that the nine and the three are doing the equivalent um, mm-hmm. within their respective centers. And so part of like why the six gets so convoluted and so exhausting for other people to listen to is they're, you know, we're literally tying ourselves in knots as we try to do the thinking about the thinking, but not connect to the thinking. And I could feel that in myself, you know, just trying to get clear about what I think being a head type is. And I think that the five and the seven have distorted understanding of what it means to be in your head or to be a head type. But I think they don't. And so, I mean, it's equally problematic. I mean, we're, we all are creating false realities for ourselves that make it out of our own way. But I think that there's just sort of greater uh, clarity on the five and the seven as to what they're what they're doing. It's not as confusing. But I don't know if that resonates with you all in terms of your experience with five, six, and seven. Oh yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Fives and seven are more. I don't know if this is the right word, but somehow more unified in it you know, unto themselves on whatever mental track they're on at any given time, maybe mm-hmm. to some degree. Yeah. I mean, I think that the five and the seven are identified with particular ways of knowing and the six is trying to figure out like what it means to know it all. Yeah. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. It's like, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that's also happening for the nine. What does it mean to be? 
mm-hmm. um, and the eight and, and the one are very particular. Yeah. And the three, um, what does it mean to be myself um, versus the four and two having, you know, overconfidence in a certain and how they know themselves. Hmm. Yeah. That's a good way to look at the, the, um, what the attachment types and why they represent sort of elemental building blocks of the whole thing, because it's like, you're starting with a neutral point in each center. Yeah. You know, this whole exercise of why you go through talking about the types, you know, listening to a six talk about being a six is not just for a six, you know, it's, it's so that other people can find that register within themselves and well, a understand people that they're dealing with and have more compassion and empathy and all of that kind of stuff, but to actually register that, um, you know, there there's something fundamentally fundamental about each one of the types, and to be able to uh, have an experience of what it means to be a six is to be able then to locate it in yourself, or a three or a nine, um, and that's how you build your own range and get out of your own way is to be able to find those, that broader register. Yeah. Something that's really interesting to me uh, that as we've been doing these calls is sort of the energetic register in my body as to like what these centers feel like. And, um, you know, like with the gut types, how grounded gut types can feel and how heart types can envelop you into like an emotional field where I I'm I'm accessing my emotions more so because that's where that's where how they're framing things and my experience with head types is a little bit different in in the sense that I feel like I tend to view head types as sort of the spark plugs compared to the other centers like when I when I think of my experiences with sixes and sevens and even fives in a weird way um there's a way that head energy kind of is electric in, in the sense that there's just more motion energetically for me with head Faster. types. Faster yeah. Motion. It's just, yeah, it's just, um, ideas motion really move. Or emotion. Motion. Mo- motion, motion, motion. Like, because ideas, um, the intellectual centers, it, it's, it's much more quick and it's verbal and it's, it jumps. Yeah. Yeah. Just things are, things are just sparking. Whereas, uh, gut types and heart types, um, those like, you know, guts or heart types feel liquid in the sense that, uh, emotions kind of flow and, you know, gut types are pretty solid and head types just feel like electric, like, you know, head energy is like, uh, yeah. It's like, for example, sixes, in terms of what they do for groups and when they're around other people, it feels like sixes kind of be become the spark plug for the group. And, and if you look at our, the Facebook group that we've got, I, I can look in the admin panel as to like who the top posters are, like who generates the most comments and likes and it's all head types, sixes, sevens, and there might be like one five, but it's like, it's all head types. Like the ones that are creating the most action in terms of getting people going social head types <laughs> and um yeah that's my experience of head types. i mean one of the things that i was thinking about when i was listening to the heart podcast and thinking about it myself is 
you know, talking about the head center, there's talking about it, like in terms of what we, what we do when we're not healthy or when we're being normal and kind of, and there is a kind of, as you say, sort of this like highly stimulated, um, high energy, um, ping ponging, you know, it could just go on forever, um, quality. And at the same time, underneath that or above that, I don't know, the flashes I've had of uh, this is like something really deep and something like this. Oh, I, I know this in a different way. It's actually quite empty and still mm. and expansive, like, like filled with air. Mm. For me, that energetic quality is, a, is one tip off in terms of what kind of thinking I'm doing. Am I thinking from like habit or am I actually um, taking in new information and seeing what um, thoughts arise? Okay, so that means that when when a head type or in your experience as a head type, when you don't feel present, that it is just a sort of constant electric ricocheting and ping-ponging that's going on. But when you do access real insight, it's coming from a still place. Yeah, I think I'm much quieter okay. when I'm real. When I'm really, and now John knows me the best of you. I don't know if he would concur. Um, I mean, I'm a lot of fun, and like I, you know, like it's a good. Are thing you? Don't get carried away. Like, don't get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. She's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Who says that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but is, you know, is a lot of fun. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, that energy, like it, it is sort of, it's, it's, it can be playful. It can be like highly stimulating. I mean, it just is like, it can be pleasurable. It can also be annoying and, you know, edgy and all these other sort of things, but there is like more stillness. Um, and it's really not about the engagement at all of ideas um and that's sort of more kind of like what do i really know place i think uh it's sort of useful like to think about like what is the head center really or like what is thinking because Mm -hmm. um you know my experience i say this all the time the experience with the enneagram is and working with the centers is learning that the centers are far different than my habitual or our culture views on what they are you know like their their whole world is not just something that the body isn't just something that moves you around and a heart isn't just the reactions i'm having emotionally and the head isn't just the the thoughts and words in my head it's like there i mean it can be that but like you know the mind as a as a medium or substance is like all about like where our attention is and what has our attention and how we have intentional intent attention and like a lot of my my understanding of the head center, a lot of the language I have of it is informed by uh, you know working with my friend Julie that does New York Enneagram with me. One of the one of the things we came to when we were teaching about the head uh, at a retreat we did was that the you know the mind like like most of our experience of the mind is like thinking 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 words 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 grasping 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 figuring out like trying to probe, but. Um, a lot of what the mind is, is this sort of, you know, as, as Courtney was speaking to, it's like, 
empty or spacious. And um, a lot of what it does is it frames situations for us. Like more than arriving at a thought or a conclusion, uh, it's like the lens through which we see, you know, and like capital SC, like we're seeing something. Uh, we're like having insight into something. And it's like the the mind provides the frame that allows us to sort of enter into any kind of experience and uh, helps us know something through that kind of perspective. It's like um, it's like the filter too, right? Exactly, exactly. And depending on how specific, how wide, how fast, how um, deep, how zoomed in, zoomed out, like it it changes our whole experience immensely. And so, uh, yeah, like the the head center has it, it's like a, a reality making machine in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And you said something last week about the intellectual center having to do with symbol and the way that you've been, what you've been saying just now about the, um, but the head center made me think of that is, does that have any connection at all? Like, um, how I mean, we frame things, symbols and, and the, yeah, and the head center. I'm, I mean, for me, when you guys were talking that way, one of the, you know, so for example, I'm like you, I, mean, I think for the head center, nothing is what it is. Yeah, it, it everything has meaning and represents something much bigger than what it really what it is. Mm. And the mind is is the is what's generating the story and the narrative um, that oh. this whatever's mm. happened is is an occasion for. That's why there's. I mean, this sounds like a joke, but <laughs> it's why there's <laughs> a lot of energy. <laughs> well, it's why there's a lot of energy with sixes, for example, around the concept of brainwashing. Mm -hmm. Right, <laughs> that your that your whole reality could be taken over by some other filter or something than your normal filter or something like that. Well, yeah, and like. You know, so like, for example, you were talking about, you know, like, as an example, this like fight you had with OD or a hypothetical fight you had with OD. Mm -hmm. and you were sort of saying like, as I type, you like, and this happened. And then I called him this name. And then he called me that. What? And then you guys were talking about the three, uh, the heart types creating like an emotional landscape where it would be, a, and I felt this way and I felt that way. And for the, for the head types, it, it would be an occasion to have a broader narrative or story not an, an not an emotional narrative but some other narrative and it would be you know because we, this this fight happened and this is actually the sixth time that this has happened and therefore there's this pattern in our relationship and i mm. see this and so therefore yeah. this is what i conclude about our relationship or mm -hmm. another level of abstraction like actually this is like what it means to be the have male friendships and so this is like interesting i'm going to think about what it means to be male and like what does it feel to be intimate or like this is actually emblematic of our types like bumping up against one another and this is how it helps me like illuminate what it means to be a six or to be an eight like those are all bigger stories uh -huh. and bigger narratives that what has just transpired what has actually just happened becomes occasions to to um explore and and create um a story that actually then we understand as reality and it may or may not be reality, mm -hmm. actually. Um, and Susie that's God. one of the problems. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, and that's one of the problems with the head type, right? Is that, there, like, sometimes it is, right? You know, sometimes what's really happened is, is not the full reality, is not the full picture. Um, 
And so we need that ability to tell a story in order to see what's really happening. But oftentimes it's, it's actually just all in our heads and trying to discern which is which um, is, is the problem that the head types find themselves in um, is this ability to constantly generate the story, but also glimpsing that it feels like the most way to be real, but we also understand it's not. This is really interesting because, um, well, I want to say two things. One thing that I was thinking of was that there's kind of an opposite approach that I see between four and six in the terms that um, four is the intellectual part of the emotional center. So there's a way that fours are trying to find a symbol or a story to frame these um, inner sta states about their, yeah. like who they think they are. And sixes are doing the opposite where they're trying to, they've created like an, or, or they're trying to orient to some kind of story or symbol about what's going on and they're generating emotional reactions about that like through, through that process mm, and um yeah like i i noticed that um sixes when they go crazy with their narratives they get really amped up like the feelings and, and the emotional reactions around this symbol and this narrative that i believe is such a big thing um i'm getting really amped up and, and emotionally reactive to get feedback you know right I mean? right because it's not it's sort of like we talked about last week it's not real unless it's mirrored back to me so i have to if i don't get people on board with my reactivity then maybe this narrative or symbol that i've latched onto maybe it's not real um and then the second thing i wanted to say was that i think um when we think of conspiracy theories we think of like you know types that are going crazy with that we usually think of sixes but now i'm starting to realize that i see this similar kind of thing you know this sort of framing around symbols that uh, and narratives and stories and that could mean so much more happening with five and seven in their own way mm -hmm. like a mm -hmm. lot of you know fives uh i've noticed get really hopped up on like reality narratives around their own sense of reality being this sort of oppressive force um a lot of five artists really um it's a, a different kind of conspiracy theory for uh five and seven but it's like both all the head types are creating these stories and really getting amped up on these uh narratives those are great uh like like yeah what's sitting with me is like uh you know in in the meme page that courtney ignores uh that emeka <laughs> and i run um i was coming up with this uh this meme that was like making fun of how like a lot of five like the five tendency to be like this idea is going to provoke and rock everybody's world. And it's like, nobody cares, you know? <laughs> and I haven't, I can't, how many times, like, like, can't tell you how many times, like, I've, I've been with a five that's been like, sort of like bragging or boasting about how some idea or concept or phrase of something or explanation is going to like rock some worlds. And it doesn't. <laughs> and and, and uh, so, anyway, like that, you know, it's like a little bit of a line of eight and five. Um, but yeah, what, what happens, what I see though is like, sometimes like the like nobody will have like the five will like drop what they call like a little bomb or something like that and nobody reacts and they're like they're stunned but, but, <laughs> or it's really it's like because the the narrative is so uh architected in the five's brain that nothing outside of that narrative is going to like mean anything to them 
Yeah. And it's a little bit of the, what avarice, an aspect of avarice is like holding on to that narrative and deleting everything else. Creating a world and only being in that world and nobody else is in that world. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I find that interesting that uh, each of the head types are doing their own uh, version of reality based on narratives that they've created in their head. Uh, whereas with five, it, it can be like, you know, uh, like a five who I think there was a five that was in one of these Facebook groups, one of these Enneagram groups who's just really like super latched on to the whole flat earth theory. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh. Hell yeah. Don't even get me started. This is me. a this is a pro flat earth flat earth podcast. <laughs> no. The only no. Enneagram flat earth podcast you'll find. No. <laughs> so it's like you would think this is oh only sixes would get crazy about some weird conspiracy theories but like fives are are doing you know doing some weird shit like that too uh but you know i think it's harder to see some of this behavior in sevens but it's all kind of the same machine of you know the head types are are looking for ways to frame reality based on some kind of story and it makes sense that you, you could just run wild with it but maybe oh. it's because we have more six examples that that's what we that's what we notice more more so. The, ly the lyrics of Tom York of Radiohead is a really good example of the five. I mean, it's extremely abstract since he's right. a five with a four, but it's the sense of this ominous, big something that has power and is going to crush me or, you know, chop off my head or, or something, right? It's this, um, you know, this ominous, uh, reality that has more power than i do and i'm you know i'm going to be crushed and we're all going to be crushed by it and be nervous all the time is, is lovecraft five uh well i think he's four wing five but um could be, could be, could be possible because there's not yeah. not much frank kafka is another five author and his, franz his yeah Fra yeah. It, yeah france france yeah yeah <laughs> uh his books are all about you know it's that reality. same kind of thing. Right. Well, I think I think the other thing is that all three of the head types, I mean, I, I think it would be an interesting podcast to do like in, in what way, what's the arrogance of each type? Because I think we're all arrogant in different ways. But the head types are, I think are, are distrustful of information coming in from the body or from the feeling the heart center mm -hmm. yeah. um, mm. and so part of what's creating that feeling of um, being divorced from reality is there's an a certain unwillingness to let information that's coming is to discount any other contrary information that's coming in through those um, channels and to see it as not, um, to see it as biased, to see it as ephemeral, mercurial, um, you know, co-opted by others, um, vulnerable in some way. And so it kind of sets up this, um, you can't get out of the story that you're in because part of the story is any information by definition that comes in is already tainted. That's contrary to the story is already tainted. How do sevens do this? I'm not, 
I'm not fully sure how sevens are doing this. Distrusting their their other centers? Yeah, like, I mean, well, you guys just gave like six and five examples, but I just, I can't quite place how sevens do it. The, re- the replacing with positive plan. Well, positive outlook. Future, yeah. One thing that frustrates me um, with sevens in general is especially when this year has been a fucking dumpster (laughs) fire of a year undeniably (laughs) undeniably terrible right on so many different levels and it's amazing to me to see in in the face of just undeniable horrible shit going on that sevens still have a way of you know just looking on a bright side to some degree like just taking Mm -hmm. the edge off Mm -hmm. of the horribleness and it's it's like a persistent story of that things could probably will be better. This is the transformation um, the planet needs to happen. It's the growing pains before the birth. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so or, that's, that's a weird, we, we don't see that as a conspiracy theory because it doesn't, <laughs> seem, it doesn't seem as crazy, but not, not trusting negative information. There you go. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm starting to get it. Yep. <laughs> I think there's also something around being bored that they they're under their experience of something because it's coming through the mental center is super super fast and they're going to trust that if it feels boring to them it is boring as opposed to looking at should i be mm. looking at this a different way right that's the they assertive type piece in a way yeah trusting they don't yourself trust, yeah they don't look they don't question the, the the channel through which the information is the, the information is boring and they don't question is that because of the channel it's going through mm. which is themselves yes right. <laughs> the, the other thing the other example that i just remembered the way that sevens can sort of do their own conspiracy sort of thing is that sevens believe in possibility and so there's a way that sevens can latch on to just fantastical ideas and possibilities just because they're cool and interesting to think about you know like elon musk has a lot of weird beliefs he's a seven a lot of weird beliefs about like aliens coming down and taking over and shit like that like just these are just interesting fantastical narratives that so i feel like sevens may not like have like uh conspiracies that have to do with the house is burning down or anything like that but just like these weird fucking new age beliefs i think the whole new age kind of thing is a seven head center of seven phenomenon where it's like i just made some shit up and now it's <laughs> and they, i think it's and they, nine well, and seven and, but yeah yeah, yeah and, and i mean they talk about like steve jobs like you know like people that worked for him like they called it his reality distortion field there you go. Um, where mm-hmm. he would, you know, just sort of, we're going to get this done in a day. And, yeah. God. It, it, you know, just like ignore reality in terms of how complicated something, you know, and it was just the assertion of that um, that was going to make it so. And so I think that's the other thing that kind of ties into this like sense of possibility. Um, you know, if I can imagine it, it, it should be able to be real. Um, and I'm not going to let information from this world um, change what I think is possible. That that explains so fucking much. Yeah, I think people don't get as offended with, with the seven style of doing this because it generally seems about 
uh, potential possibilities and it doesn't, it's not negative. Whereas, you know, sixes and fives are more likely to just talk about how shit sucks or um, much more reactive sixes with their conspiracy. They need people to react with them. So it's more provocative. Um, whereas I don't think sevens are asked, they're not going to be provoking people with what they think is their own version of reality. They're going to be provoking negative people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we talked about the low side of the head types. Yeah, yeah like what's the higher archetypal energy? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Courtney's like, we need to talk what's... about how this is cool, okay? We need to talk we about how this is Because she made... is fun. <laughs> She's <laughs> a good types. time. <laughs> The gut types all sounded good. The heart types sounded good, but now right. we're... This is just for the, the heart and gut types to just unload on head types. Yeah. We're sick There's a reason head. we don't have any head types on this podcast. Yeah. That, that's our we one rule. just drag on them. The one rule... But like, they no just provoke people. That's all they do. So, you know, Emika, earlier you were mentioning how I had talked about the higher centers, the higher intellectual and higher emotional center. Yeah, and that the yeah the language way Gurdjieff put it was the language of the higher emotional center is Smith, and the language of the higher intellectual center is symbol. And like, I'm gonna get a little uh you know esotericy John vibes, but like <laughs> like ancient cultures used uh not just like symbol in the sense of like a a, a, a diagram like an enneagram, but like everything was seen as a symbol or metaphor for the operation of the divine. Right. And so the, like a, a big uh, Greek and Egyptian notion was this idea that you train your, the, what they call the nos, which sometimes people translate the soul, but it's really like the intellect or, um, you know, the spirit to be able to uh, travel, so to speak toward the divine or orient itself towards the divine uh, through the use of symbol, and what that means is like, uh, you know, that the, the the divine operation doesn't reveal itself literally. Like, you know, you you see these functional processes, but there's a way to, uh, according to you know, Sufism has its own version of this too, creative imagination. But um, training the inner eye to be able to be awake to everything as a symbol or representation or metaphor for a divine operation. And so that each thing becomes like a reminding factor to bring your attention back to the divine. And so like speaking to what you're saying earlier about the mind as a, as framing, it's, it's an orientation from uh, like searching for a conclusion or a specific thought or a specific insight and into this uh, open receptive mind. And um, it's, everybody's familiar with like how, the idea, just the idea alone, that like the divine or God or whatever is uh, incomprehensible, and so can only be um, sort of comprehended or or approached indirectly through reference to symbol. And so uh, these things work to kind of keep our mind almost not landed anywhere, but our mind almost in an openness and receptivity against the tendency to try to calcify knowing and understanding. So one example of this that I use, I talk about this all the time uh, when I teach, is I do Gurdjieff movements. In the Gurdjieff movements, you're in these rows and files, like you know, single files and single rows. There's like usually six or seven uh, people in the fr- first row, 
And when you're doing these movements, uh, you're doing these gestures to music. They're like dances, but different. And they require enormous amounts of concentration because your head might be doing something in a totally different count than your torso than your, and then your legs. And you're, you're often moving maybe forward and backwards or mixing between different files. Uh, all kinds of things can happen. So anyway, um, you know, the idea is that you are training your attention and to just be wholly focused on the task and sort of uh, see how anything that anything that's distracting you is your personality and operation. Um, and it's it's pretty incredible. So there are these certain kinds of movements where you uh, like in this row of six, you move forward and you change positions. And so what, what that'll mean is like, I'm, I was usually in the second file. So like, you know, uh, on my right was one guy and then on my left was four people. And uh, in the music, we'd be changing. We actually be moving according to the Enneagram, which I won't explain here because it's just a lot. But for me, it was like this education in a way of like the mind, because when the music and the, the timing of the, of the movement place certain demands on me it was like i had to be totally in lockstep with this one person and then as soon as conditions changed i had to be totally in lockstep with the other person and let like let go of the first person and so it was this sort of thing as like like often we sort of fixate on a per point of view or perspective and as you all know it's like uh when chicago was teaching the enneagram originally he talked about the passions and the fixations which are the mental habits of the types we don't talk about those as much because whatever, but, um, but you get fixated and, and each type, each Enneagram type is basically fixated on a certain point of view. So uh, in this movement, it was like, I'd, I'd have a position I needed to take to, to accomplish what was needed to accomplish for that part of the movement. And then a new position. And it was like, these were new perspectives in a way. Like I needed to take this perspective because it was what was called for in this moment. And then this perspective to what was called for in this moment but leave behind the old. Like as soon as I needed to leave it behind, just leave it behind. And it was this thing of like being so in the moment and so there, there, there. And it was so much, uh, and it was particularly a mental experience for me because it was so much about being awake to the moment and being awake to the conditions that they were changing and not getting stuck anywhere. So like in the, in the Egyptian tradition, they represented the nos or the intellect as a bird they called the ba. The idea is that the bird is supposed to, the ba, the soul, the spirit, is supposed to be trained to fly back to the divine source and not land anywhere, not get stuck anywhere. It's to be totally free of identification. And so, you know, that kind of, um, I talk about this too all the time, but that um, Buddhist idea of if you meet the Buddha, kill the Buddha, meaning that any representation is not the real thing. And in fact, like the mind or the personality or whatever, cannot fixate, cannot see the real thing in any meaningful sense. But what it can do is be in that relationship, that dynamic, um, un, like with the process of things unfolding rather than like perching anywhere. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think like just for what comes up for me when I listen to you talk about that is first of all, even though we were, myself included, um, kind of dogging on the five, six, and seven, as head types, I think one really important thing to understand is that actually like every type is using their mind yeah. in a certain, um, is, is conditioned themselves to see reality in a certain way. 
Um, yes. And and so while the five, six, and seven are sort of the most, you know, so forward with that, um, there's actually a lesson for every type in the fact that um, we all make up stories and those stored stories may be real and may be helpful in certain contexts, but they're also um, very limiting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's sort of the lesson of the head for everyone, no matter what, what type you are. Um, and then I guess the second thing that I'm take away from what you're describing is, you know, to move forward, you need all, all of the centers to be online in order for that to happen, right? You need to be present. You need to be, um, you know, sort of a heart open, um, contact kind of warm yeah place um a feeling of um kind of love and connection with the world um but it's really the mind that is when it's aware and paying attention um it's that curiosity and that sort of sense of i'm i'm willing to to evolve i'm willing to give up what i thought my story was and come up with a new one. Um, and then I'll kill that one and I'll move from that one too uh, when I'm ready. Um, but right. that's sort of the possibility of the mind when it's sort of it, it open is to see what it's believing or see what it's attached to and then move on to the, be willing to let it go. Yes. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. That What that brings up is... Um... In describing the centers, uh, Gurdjieff used the metaphor of a horse-drawn carriage because he was teaching in like 1916, and that was cool. <laughs> and, and you know, he talked about um, the car- the carriage itself, like the vehicle or the whatever, is the body, and that the uh, the horses were the emotions, hmm. and that the driver was the mind, and that inside the the carriage would be the master which is like our essence or i and you know that that in the in the ideal situation you know the master would say i want to i want to go to fancy froofy place or whatever and then the driver would make it happen and direct the emotions to be carrying the vehicle the right place and then you know the vehicle would would move there um but in our normal state of affairs, like the carriage is broken, the horses are going all kinds of different directions, and the mind is asleep. The the driver fell asleep, and uh, the 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 master might be dead <laughs> or whatever. Um, and so yeah, it's this like 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 you know that that quality that I that what I'm hearing you describe, Courtney, uh, is will and intent, and but like a deeper sense of will than being willful. It's like a higher sense of initiating awareness. or cutting off sorry david uh awareness in a way well well it's it's there's awareness involved but it's it's also this like you know to create a perspective or a frame or a, a view or or using an idea or a thought in a context requires a kind of initiation or requires a kind of choosing and so that's what the mind does like even before the 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 um perspective is crafted there's the knowing or the, you know, the, the recognition that, that requires will, you know, some kind of, of a frame itself. Then there can be 
access or movement or motion or choice in that space. Does that make sense? Sort of like yeah. choosing, a, choosing a direction. Yeah. Yeah, That's, literally or metaphorically. Yeah. Right. It's, this is uh, really interesting because um, the way you frame things, John, with the horse and um, carriage metaphor, I guess you could, let's just say it's a car. Um, it's, <laughs> let's, just, let's just say it's a car. I think we've talked about this before, where like the mind is like the GPS, it's the compass, it's like you, how you orient and decide where to go. And it just made me think of Michael teachings, which is, has some overlap with Gurdjieff stuff. Um, fourth way stuff in the different centers and so in michael teachings there are seven roles and they're broken up into the different centers and so the the centers that use the emotional center or the the roles that use the emotional center are called inspiration inspirational roles because uh that's the center that gets that moves people inspires people to to do things and so the way you you talked about like the heart center being like the horse um being like the fuel i guess you could say um and then the the head center they the roles that use the head center or use the intellectual center are called expression roles and talk about like conceptualization and um and truth and that's that's how you decide where to go and so just looking at this system together of course, the, the moving center is about action and it's about will. Um, it's clear to me now that the head center is is the thing that, that gives you the map of, you know, the emotional center is the, the thing that's going to inspire a bunch of people to move in a certain direction. The body center is the movement, is the will. But the head center, the intellectual center is like, how the, how the fuck do we even get there? You know, how, what is the story or the narrative around um, this sort of energy of the heart and energy of the body. Um, how do we even organize what we're going to do? I mean, so, you know, at the sort of smallest level, the mind is, the mind is what's creating the story of the self to begin with, mm. right. mm -hmm. which is, which is what you, you need really to exist in this world. And higher, you know, it's what creates the story of a country. It's what the, the family, money, uh, you know, any of any of the things that we use to organize ourselves um, mm. to move forward. All of that has been constructed through the mind. And I guess the other thing I was going to say about the mind is the other thing that's sort of necessary is when all of this gets out of whack, like it does in all of us, the first thing that has to happen is to be able to witness what's going on, to mm -hmm. be in the car, mm -hmm. but also to see the car. And that is a function of the mind. Mm. To be a witness to one's own experience as it's happening. Yes. Me six is the, really the archetypal human i mean they're all all the types are archetypal but if you had to boil it down to one for me it's six and it and it's because we all have the problem of being too much in the mind for one thing thinking too much right we all have the problem of splitting things into binary opposites good bad black white right wrong right we all have the problem of trusting in 
just basic trust in the universe, right? And that kind of thing. And so and that's another way in which, you know, six and the mental center is sort of, uh, well, just central mm-hmm. and universal. One thing that I've talked about before that uh, I noticed that a lot of people, when like collectively, especially like looking at what kind of presidents that we choose, I mean, there's a lot of nines, but there's also a lot of six that a lot of people really identify or really attached to sixes like it's really common when you see like hosts of tv shows and like network television late night shows they're right. all sixes every single one of them yep <laughs> like what is that i think when i first got into enneagram i was looking at things like that uh yeah Courtney, uh, you know, <laughs> why are i told the- you run the world we're a lot of fun i told you that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's a way that people uh um like you know sixes can bring a lot of energy and you know that ability to um just be a host and and frame things in not only like inquisitive but entertaining kind of ways but it's really interesting to me. To me it's partly the thing I was just talking about. It's it's a certain uh level playing field of we all identify with being the host and sixes invite that mm-hmm. of of like they're they're at our level uh you know asking what we would want to ask sort of so oh yeah speak. yeah 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 i i think it's just really interesting how certain types have a bring a certain archetypal energy and just i guess talking about like head types and the kind of archetypal energy that head types bring um and it's there's something about that that like for example like oprah is probably the most popular woman in america and she's a six that's <laughs> social six um you know like what kind of space do head types uh bring for us uh and and yeah what kind of energy are they giving us that is so attractive i mean i think for the six there is like an earthiness that's particular in contrast to the five or them. yeah and i think that when we sort of understand like what is real what do we know for us it's all about what and why does that matter in terms of how i show up or how i act or what's happening right here and now it the knowledge it it's not enough for it the sick it's not enough for the six to know something um in just in the mind it it needs to be understood as knowledge that's helpful and relatable and um, all of those, like sort of what we were talking, and I could do a better job, like the elemental, like the nine, six, six and three, like, why am I here? Like, what is this all about? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so there's kind of connecting to that very fundamental human question. Um, that I think the three, six, and nine are all sort of grappling with. And that's part of what makes them, when we think about that, like vibration, like important for, for everyone, because we all want to know that's what it's all about. Like, what are we doing mm-hmm. here? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, so they're operate the sixes are, are able to operate at that level, but they're also able to operate at a level of abstraction. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so they're kind of really serving as a, or we're kind of uh, in certain moments, able to serve as a conduit 
between those two worlds. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes. I think. <laughs> you don't have to say that. You don't have to say that. <laughs> no. That was funny. <laughs> um, I think sometimes sickness, like because of that ability to kind of span both parts of that, um, kind of have a like a lot of people look up to it, or there's that like wholesomeness to it. I don't quite know what word would fit it but it's like the i don't i don't know like wholesome is the best thing i can come up with there relatable is one thing relatable yeah but like the good like we're like oh i relate to that but i kind of wish i reacted like that Mm. similar to nine people are very comfortable with uh types like that in leadership because it doesn't seem like they're too full of themselves like they're still questioning what it means what everything means um versus like you know when people latch on to eights or ones it's kind of like you know like someone they're being swept up in this over certain kind of energy it's a top-down thing right right mm-hmm. well, whereas and also not- like 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 sixes are rarely duds you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. True. they're just not boring like yeah right, even if they right. drive you fucking insane they're not boring yeah. And yeah. in, like, just like Alex Jones is totally oh, a, a nutcase. But I mean, it's just like, I was into Alex Jones, just like, I knew he was fucking insane and crazy and wrong, but I loved watching him, you know, like before mm-hmm. he like it got big, cause he was just so insane. And it was just like, I oh. kept coming back for more when he was like, like sure. going into, going into Bohemian Grove, you know, he was like, I was all like, I was back, I was into it. Like, yeah, go, go there. And sixes are fucking funny usually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think there's also something about you know, to the extent like I've come onto this podcast and like and you think about what gives you confidence in Oprah, for example, is you know my for me when I feel comfortable talking on this podcast, it's because of something that's resonating with me in me that's helped me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when I feel like it's I'm sharing with people my own sort of journey, my own sort of, my own learning, my own evolution. Um, it mm. becomes a much more confident place for me to talk from. And it mm. helps deal for me sort of deal with the, um, the anti-narcissism of the six. Like I don't deserve this. I'm way too big for my, all those kinds of things that the six does for me to sort of say, look, this was my experience and I've grown from it and I fight from it. And it helps other people. It just be, for me that becomes a very secure ground um, hmm. to to speak from. And I think that there is there is something there is a kind of humility that's inherent in that you know place. If if you can sense that that's really where someone's coming from, um, that it's it's their own experience, and then it becomes universalized. Um, hmm. Level playing field. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to see how six, nine, and three are doing that. And and like when threes are on, like when people fall in love with threes, it feels like I think people feel like they're tapping into their own sense of possibility and uh, their own mm. sense of inspiration for what they 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 themselves can do because the three is uh, 
is like representing some kind of um achieving self yeah self-actualization to some degree whereas you know eventually sometimes threes can just get really high on themselves and, and turn people off but initially it feels like threes are tapping into you know you can self-actualize like myself like i'm like their journey up the ladder kind of a thing and whereas uh, nines can really inspire people because um it's not they definitely don't make it about themselves it's like a we you know obama and yes we can you know that's such a not me us kind of a thing where uh, the gut types can really or at least nines can really uh make it about all of humanity <laughs> together um and i can see how six is doing that as well with their humility around what one knows i think can really pull a lot of people in because everyone can relate to that to not knowing what the fuck is going on and it's almost like seeing seeing myself as as a symbol really my own Uh journey as a as a symbol of a bigger narrative Mm -hmm. and if i can talk about my experience kind of trusting that it does resonate um that it is emblematic of a broader kind of human yeah like you took a risk you decided to to trust in a certain something and here's your journey and you and and it took you somewhere that was good yeah and i think for the six in particular like that never ends there's it's never you know we never right. rest this made me think about something like different cult leaders from the different centers and what kind of qualities i would assume that like for example gurdjieff is a gut type and um that a cult or not a cult leader but a spiritual teachers um teachings are going to overemphasize the lessons of their or the perspective of their center and so just make me think john what are some are there some ways that you can see a difference between what gurdjieff emphasizes uh showing his gut center perspective versus maybe what his students who are head types might have emphasized in contrast for sure so I think Aspensky, like some people have heard Aspensky, claim Aspensky, who wrote In Search of the Miraculous, uh, claim he was a, a one. I think he's a six. Okay. Um, and uh, J.G. Bennett, who's my teacher's teacher and a student of Gurdjieff's, is seven. And both, like Aspensky is interesting because, or so just say like my teacher is an eight. And so there's mm-hmm. an interesting gut, head, gut kind of passage. and. Uh, you know, so Gurdjieff was very, it's funny because sometimes people will uh, like quote Gurdjieff in the way he talked. It'll be like, like, you know, you don't, you don't try this, you do it. You know, it's like very, duh, 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 duh. you know, it's like very actualizing. Even though Gurdjieff got really esoteric and really abstract, there was still this punchy, uh, just center thing <laughs> gut stuff yeah, just yeah. laying it out. And, but it is also like really avoiding intellectualizing stuff even though he had you know stuff that you could intellectualize over for you know lifetimes but Mm -hmm. uh you know aspensky studied with gurdjieff had a break with him and then kind of reconciled with him at the end of gurdjieff's life and he and madame de salzman who i do think she was a one uh went on to found the gurdjieff foundation and uh i don't know a lot about madame de salzman other than her book is amazing reality of being but I, she was a one, and I think she had that kind of, you know, stand up straight, you know, doing the, 
doing the movements and stuff like this. Um, but Espensky is interesting because he really wanted to figure out the system. Like yeah. it was, he really wanted to find the rules of it and like sort of make it coherent. And Gurdjieff would intentionally uh, fuck with people by teaching things inconsistently. Sometimes he would teach, there was five centers, sometimes three centers, sometimes seven centers. That's hilarious. And, yeah. And so people couldn't calcify. Sometimes he'd talk about four centers because he would exclude the uh, sex center. And so I'm pretty uh, sure I would have hated. I'm pretty sure uh, I would have yeah. hated him. <laughs> oh yeah, I would have. It would have driven me insane. I, I, I think that's. It. I think that's why Espensky uh, quit for a while. You know, and uh, meanwhile, uh, it, so anyway, that's like that was sort of Espensky's strength and downfalls. I understand it is that he did get really fixated on trying to figure out the system behind the system, um, and then uh, Bennett. You know, Bennett is a seven who's brilliant. Uh, like a, he was a he was a mathematician, like what recognized for being a mathematician apart from anything Gurdjieffian and all that kind of stuff. And he was like he traveled in the Middle East and he uh studied with Sufis and I mean, he's a wild, crazy guy, but he was like really intelligent and really bright. And he has, you know, there's a there's a little bit of Aspensky in him, a little bit of Gurdjieff in him from the point of view that uh you know he really he was prodigious in terms of uh writing and and lectures and coming up with his own ideas and uh wasn't so much of let's preserve what Gurdjieff did so much as let's build on it and he was very much about like a big theme which we, we could do whole stuff on is working for the future and not it's not exactly what one might imagine but like we do inner work for the future and um that's a whole whole thing and he, you know but but like Aspensky, Bennett was much more about laying out the map of inner work, of like what it meant, the layers of reality, uh, making distinctions and discernments and subtle, um, you know, like clarifications about what it means to do work in here and what changes here and this kind of a thing. And very specific uh, labels and, and demarcations and stuff like this. And whereas Gurdjieff would drop a little bit of hints of these things, but kind of left it people to be confused. Mm -hmm. And um, and yet and Gurdjieff was far more about provoking people and far more about uh, trying to drive people insane. So like uh, one of the things, one of my favorite, uh, there's so oh, many gosh. funny Gurdjieff stories, but like there was a guy, they like, they you know, they were avoiding different wars and conflicts throughout Gurdjieff's teaching career and moving gradually westward. And so I think when they were in the, I, I always fuck up the name, but when they were like living in the south of Paris, like outside of Paris, I think it was called the Puri or something. Um, they had this house there and uh, there was this dude that was annoying everybody like so intensely that everybody wanted him to leave. Like he was, I don't know what was wrong with him, but Gurdjieff privately stopped him and was like, I'll pay you to stay. Don't tell anybody I'm paying you. And oh, so, <laughs> so he just kept like, he kept this guy around just to drive everybody nuts. And he would do stuff like this. Like, like there was another example, somebody really needed his attention. And so he just ignored the shit out of him. You know, it was just like doing this kind of stuff that was hilarious. Um, but, experiential but it was, teaching. It was all experiential and it was very much like, like if you're struggling with the movements or something, it wouldn't be like, Oh, here's how to do it. I mean, I think like, he'd have these moments of kindness that surprised, like not just kindness, but like a certain two ish, like 
helping you through things that would surprise people. But for the most part, he was like, you do this now, you know, this kind of thing is done. How, you know, very eight. It was very funny. So all that's to say is like, yeah, the, the do this, do that of, of Madame de Salzman and, and Gurdjieff versus the, uh, here's the map and here's how to, you know, here's the mm -hmm. tweaking it and clarifying and things like this. Yeah, it makes me wonder if, because I mean, you've got spiritual teachers of all the different centers and what attracts us to certain teachers versus, versus the others. And so it makes me wonder if we are drawn to um, teachers or whoever who are in the center that we have least access to, or we have something that we need to work through with that center, because um, I can imagine that maybe as a gut type that I wouldn't be as enamored with uh, Gurdjieff stuff because it's like, oh yeah, I mean, that's, or maybe I would, um, just a way of framing things from a, a certain center that we might appreciate more or less depending on our relationship to that center. Mm -hmm. I think there are teachers that sort of bring out what we need to like, you know, that, that, that appeal to something in our dominant center. And then there's others that challenge us through being so opposite, like that I have studied with people that like are heart center dominant and ex in a sense, expanding my very four-ish limited heart center experience, you know, like my breathwork teacher is a, is a two. And, uh, you know, that was like a, a big fucking challenge to my four with fiveness. And, um, but yeah, like, you know, my, my, my work teacher, it, it, both my, uh, Gurdjieff teacher and and my movements teacher is an eight and a one, and that kind of just like what's really hilarious is like uh, my teacher the eight when we're on a call when we do calls now but like or when we're in a meeting someone will ask a question and if it's not very experiential he'll just sort of be like no, I'm not going to answer that <laughs> <laughs> you know he's, he's like a New York Jewish guy you know like so he's, you know this eight so he's just like. Mm. No, I'm not going to answer that. Or like, you know, like it's, you know, too mental or, you know, something like this. It's, but uh, it's pretty funny. And then but actually another movements teacher I have that like, I see him only on retreats as a six. And like, I mean, he has this way of like, so when I'm doing movements with my one teacher, I'm always like, I have to be impeccable. You know, like I have to just like, she sees all, you know, this. this and so like the, the sense of my attention must be strong you know like it's very there but uh with my sixth movements teacher um he has a way of illustrating like multi-facets of the movement hmm. and and almost like it's almost like um you can imagine like a bunch of eyes around each limb like you know that, that see like these different possibilities or different sense of what each gesture represents and and he does this thing where he gives you a little bit and then he watches you struggle with it and kind of plays sixish games where he like kind of he's he's hilarious, but he makes all these jokes and kind of like throws you off a little bit and then comes back and clarifies it. So it's like this weird uh, here's something fumble round as you kind of get vague. And then he kind of just like almost like a, a, a potter's wheel of like refines it for you. And, you know, it's it's a whole other experience. Mm -hmm. I can remember when I was in high school when thinking back now that some of the best teachers that I have, especially around movement, because um, as a body type, like nines can be like really natural athletes just because they just pick up, you can just pick up, they pick up movement really 
um, just really easily. And it's very nonverbal, kind of like if I can see it, then I can feel it in my body and I can mimic it. Uh, so you can't really learn from someone who's like a natural athlete who can just pick mm -hmm. up movement that way. Whereas a head type or a six can, because of the way they they have to sort of frame things for themselves and like dissect how it. Do you, yeah, how do you put together this movement? So if you're having an issue with of movement, a nine's just or, or you know a gut type may not be able to pinpoint exactly where you're fucking up the the map of the whole thing. And so my what I remember is that there were certain coaches that could put together the movement piece by piece and say you have to get this step done in order for you to get so you understood all the parts of the movement whereas you know a, a coach who's a gut type is maybe saying you're not bringing enough energy or you don't believe in it or it's like it's not as or granular. just watch me just do it and right right just you know <laughs> watch me and 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 get it but i mean sometimes they can pinpoint things that you're doing wrong but i felt like i could really learn from head types um, because things could be broken down and I could, um, that way of framing things made it easier to, to figure out problems. I think for me as a, as a six, some of it is also the, the gift of language, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which yeah. is a head, um, a head yeah. orientation. And yes. so any of this sort of teaching and, and, and transmission is, has to, is most efficient through language. And so that's one advantage. And I think the other thing is for me, you know, when I'm listening to someone or when I'm just trying to understand what's going on, you know, I really am operating at two levels, which is this bigger kind of like macro, like why, what does this mean? And at the same time, trying to be very, very, very precise and specific about actually what is this? What is it that's happening right now? Uh, and so I think it enables multiple entry points. You know, like it's, an, it's, the, it's the bigger picture of understanding the purpose behind something. And that's sort of the inspiration and the motivation. Um, and then there's the actual precision of you know, if you're really, really paying attention and analyzing um, and being very sort of not allowing yourself to be all kind of mushy or soft or vague about what's actually happening, like it's that super, super hype. It, it's both possibility, but also the hyper awareness and focus kind of operating uh, simultaneously. Um, and then that for me becomes a when I'm able to explain something well, or when I've been able to feel like I've really reached someone, I think, and it's a little bit what John is talking about, like letting the thing happen, letting the thing kind of just be in reality, but then also providing the context as well. Also that the way you described what you described, John, like having multiple eyeballs around you, mm -hmm. that, that, that seems to get at something there. That's a certain kind of multifaceted awareness. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, interesting. Like yeah. What Courtney's saying about letting something be, uh, I, like, I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but it, to me, it does uh, like piece out some of the 
the differences of centers because it's like when I hear about letting something be, that's sort of the the, the body sense of it existing or it, something just happening. Mm -hmm. uh, but like it's an undifferentiated mass in a way, you know, it's like it's either just a force or a mass. And so the mental center mm -hmm. is like, like you need a way to enter into that mass and to make it make sense with all the different pieces that are fitting together. And that's what the, the framing, the, 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 like, you know, when we're talking about, we say we try to wrap our minds around something. It's like the wrapping your eyes around something. It's like wrapping your, you know, uh, having a way to enter into that undifferentiated mass in a way that creates cohesion and, uh, like, uh, like an awareness of different scales, right? Like, like in terms of like size and specificity and things like this. Naming things and that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I always talk about fucking Japan with six, but it's so, you know, it's such a six culture where everything is on time. Everything like fits together. Everything like works. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like that, that awareness of how, like, it's not just this like lazy, undifferentiated body mass. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's all fitting together and it's all, it's all in operation. It's all able to go and be and be coherent because this mental sensitivity to how everything is related to everything else. Mm -hmm. Well, to bring in another culture, it's like a Swiss watch, right? Mm -hmm. All the gears yeah. are interlocking and they all sort of know each other or what's happening or moving at a different pace, but it all locks into place to make one cohesive something. Right. Like, like uh, to bring in another culture, my, <laughs> my experience of India is like so body centered. Like it's mm -hmm. such a body centered culture and it's it, it, like, you know, it, it sort of works and it does sort of doesn't, but it's just like chaos. Mm -hmm. Like just no, nobody's even like, there's no lanes. Like there's not even one side goes this way. The other side goes that way in traffic. It just, everything's a free for all, you know, and there's monkeys and cows and everything. And so it's just like, uh, yeah, just, I don't know. Just that, that contrast is so hilarious. Like, John, I have a question. I know when you and I have spoken, that in the past, the six was the hardest to find within yourself or the one that you were least able to identify with. And mm -hmm. I'm curious, you know, just to, for to hear you talk about why that is. Yeah, you know, so I have a lot of five in me. I have a wing and a fix. And um, and I think maybe it's my, like, like so for just for typologically speaking, like uh, from the point of view that like my body fix is eight and I, I kind of, puts me in a seven-ish mode or mood or something sometimes. Uh, I feel like I understand, I guess, I guess like what we were talking about at the beginning of this call of, I'm so overly confident in a certain means of my knowing. Um, you know, and it, that stems from my, first from my emotional center and my, my sort of felt sense of identity, but it's like everything I think and perceive for for right or wrong or for you know distortion or health or whatever uh is built from that fundamental perspective and so uh like i think that like a lot of my thinking style stems from my conviction of identity and uh that's like it's in a sense my thinking mode is trained in a sense from that experience of identity and so, yeah, the sixth thing, it's taking like, like seven, I, I pretty quickly get, 
at five, like I, I really get it. Six, I feel like of all the types, it's the one that I have to sort of, um, and it's kind of funny that it's six, but like bounce between seven and five to get into the middle of. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because in a way, it's like like I'm so uh, I would say like I have a very focused quality of thinking and attention, and I have very like I'm going to dive in and this and this and this and go deeper into this. You know, it's like that five line to seven where it's like I can get so fucking fired up by my thinking that it starts bouncing and like oh, but that that this from this temple and this from this alchemy text and this you know, and it starts going and I can feel that seven ish thing, but the six like open awareness to how like context and uh like general awakefulness is like much more of a challenge to me seeing how things fit together and like are coherent over time like i my my greatest enemy is time and so like i feel like the six has a certain uh awareness through the the kind of like the practical intuition of six there's an intuition around time that i feel like i don't have for me, and I really to hear everyone else's perspective, for me, the COVID has been just sort of like this time for everyone to be a six is how I experienced <laughs> it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I relate to that. <laughs> mm. Because there are so many questions of what to do and how to live your life with so many unknowns also happening at the same time. That's how yeah. I've experienced it. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Do I send my kid to school? Do I, you know, hang, have my, hang out with my mom? Do I wear a mask? Who do I believe? Who do I trust in yeah. terms of this information? Um, you know, it just, to me, it's felt like a very, very sick space that our country has been in and the world has been in um, over the last eight months. There's a thing with six as opposed to five and seven where there's a certain actually ironically, maybe a heart quality to sixes, you know, where you're sort of in the struggle with the six or the sixes. Right. And there's this quality, you know, it's again, this humanness about six, like, Fives are aliens, right? And sevens are entertainers. I'm doing cartoons, right? But, but you know, six has got this, there's this sort of fighter's, you know, almost a boxer's heart, if you know what I mean. Mm. There's this yeah. quality of staying in the fight for humanity and staying <laughs> in the confusion and the what do we do and the opposite sides and picking a side, but sort of still having the courage to be in it. And yeah. because you, you don't have the option kind of as a six to withdraw like you do with some of the other types, right? <laughs> yeah. Generally speaking. Yeah. I mean, I, and this is what I mean about the sixes being center of the hearts and the heart types, yet having mm-hmm. characteristics that are sort of specific to them. I mean, I think, um, I think we're really aware of our suffering mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a way that the fives and tens are um, tied in different ways and trying to confront or ignore in different ways. And I think the six 
is is really really in tune with the prison that they've created mm-hmm. for themselves and i think also you know we didn't talk about this idea of like kind of the core emotion of each of the types and whether you want to call it angst or fear or anxiety or sort of just existential terror um the i mean the six is i mean we we breathe that like that's that's how we wake up mm-hmm. um like i had to like I, there's this group that i'm in where i had to sort of talk about like what's the bravest thing that i've ever done and for and i think for the sixes it's like just to keep going is mm-hmm. is what feels very brave because of that sort of like very attuned to um just how difficult it all is and not sure how to break out of it um without without some help but also being a co-equal soldier too at the same time with with you in the fight i mean i mean that sixes are that for other people is what i mean as well yeah i mean there's there's very little suffering that someone's going to tell me about that i can't sort of tap into in myself um and and remember when i sort of felt the same same way and some in some sort of circumstance and i think that that does kind of create this sort of we're in this together kind of feeling and you can sort of sense the willingness of the six to, to soldier on um and that can be inspiring and mm-hmm. also you know a total pain in the ass to be around <laughs> both of those things <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, I think the sixes aren't really, because I mean, this this shit is still going, right? Like people are still dying, and um, the sixers are going to be the ones to keep remind people to to remain concerned and alarmed while while other types might check out or detach from the danger, the ever present danger that hasn't really gone away. Um, so yeah, I I do think sixes kind of keep people going, like. That we're still in this. We still have this thing to deal with. Don't check out. Don't fall asleep. Um, it's yeah. still a problem. Keep your eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. Or the virus was made in a lab in Wuhan in order to <laughs> harvest <laughs> adrenochrome. <laughs> Hillary Clinton is a pedophile adrenochrome addict who lives forever. Invent a new emergency to give a sh- to give a shit about. <laughs> Stay woke, everybody. Hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, I'm. I think this is pretty good. Yeah, we did pretty. That's a pretty good amount of content. Mm-hmm. Do head types sound as good as gut types and heart types? Absolutely not. But I think no. we, did. <laughs> <laughs> we tried we hard, though. As, we, I thought we got pretty good. Yeah, we made them good. as as cool as we possibly could. Well, I I mean I know we're I know we're winding on, but I I do like I, like I was so moved by Emma because sort of talking about how the hard types make him find his his own heart space. Mm. Um, and and so one question I I I wanted to ask you guys is what what do the head types bring for you? Nothing. Mm. Yeah, absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think for me, uh, I mean, the word, and it's sort of cheesy, but it comes for me is is illumination. And what I mean is like, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been with the head type friend, 
and even just finding a specific word or a specific yeah. mm-hmm. uh something it like it's like it's as if like like there's fog around me and then suddenly it's like a like a almost like a little firefly light you know like that they create with just like landing on the right thing and it like opens things it's like it, it, as if there's like a, a fog but it's also like a maze at the same time and it's like there's all these sort of pathways of this smoke going everywhere and then the head type will just be able to illuminate something or or even make a joke where the smog dissipates or something like that. It's like, um, you know, it's not just like helping me learn something, but it's like just unlocking something in a certain way that makes movement happen. Because of that illumination for me, they create a curiosity around, like I'm curious about a lot more things when I'm around them, because I know that I can get illumination around a lot more subjects and clarity around a lot more subjects. So I get excited about it. Yeah, I would say that that what I get along the same lines of what you guys have said is that um, head types and especially sixes can articulate things. It feels like the the thinking head head center style means that you know I might not be able to to find a right way of framing things, but um, head types can find three or four different ways of framing things and will land on the more clear, insightful way of looking at something. Um, and, you know, just the impact that you've had with those OR calls, Courtney, of mm-hmm. the way that you were able to see into object relations, that's, you know, that's like the best OR content out there, period you know, like in terms of people being able to understand and finally get it. And that's what head types are able to do is I think for me, just the ability to articulate things um, in in a much more clear way that the other centers just can't do. For me, it's a, there's a sleepy nine boy in a doe fog cloud bank um, <laughs> being around. <laughs> uh being around head types it's it's a it's a much more crisp experience right and it's like oh okay yeah i actually could do this and this is you know interesting because it's different from my usual experience and i just to even participate i have to be much more aware and awake and that's interesting also I've had some experiences with some, uh, you know, like psychically intuitive sixes that, Mm. um, well, I mean, I don't know any other way to frame it, but just them being able to see things. I mean, it's a kind of remote viewing. I mean, for want to get really esoteric into the high side, I guess, of the, the, the mental center, it's, you know, real intuition that has that sort of knows no distance right and being able to see all kinds of things i'd have to give specific examples but um just a a certain kind of um ability to see um very specific details about certain situations and people having never met or seen the person i mean and and i'm talking like exact details and things of anyway that's that's some of my head type hype. All right. Okay, now now I feel like we've been 
Okay. <laughs> Appropriately celebrated. We, we gassed her up enough. Yeah. <laughs> so really, this was about not so, a level playing field, but yeah. worshiping Courtney. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's only appropriate given how many people worship Courtney. Uh, you know, as it is. Yeah. Yeah, as it is. So. Queen you guys Courtney. Are making me really uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the plan. Yeah, yeah that's that the thing about sixes. If you like fucking give them shit, uh, they're fine with it. But if you praise them, that's when they get really uncomfortable. Yeah. They're like, please stop. <laughs> the most popular episodes. That's what you got to live up you to. You are the best, Courtney. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, no. Face I have it. a shrine <laughs> to you in my bedroom. <laughs> you guys are joking and it's still making my skin crawl. <laughs> <laughs>